Okay, it is the April 16th edition of the Kamano MMA podcast. A um, couple things to discuss today. I want to start off with what I think the future of the UFC could look like, um, short term future uh, this year. So, looking at this May 9th card, it, it's, it's a pretty stacked card. A lot of big names, a lot of draws. Um, three title fights, and thinking about what the UFC is looking at here um, for the rest of the year possibly is probably fight cards with um, no fans in the in the arena because of COVID-19 and the lack of a vaccination, and it's nearly impossible to practice social distancing in an arena of any kind and even if you seated people with six feet between them they're not going to stick to that seating arrangement people are going to move people are going to move closer to each other people are going to move down from the upper um, upper bowls of arenas and um, you're also going to have the lines at the concession stands and the bathrooms and entering and exiting the arena so the possibility of fans Attending events is slim, very slim, at least until a vaccine is, is is in place. So, anyway, my thinking is the UFC not knowing how things are going to play out when it does come back. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, stacked cards, which is good for the fans. But there's a reason for that. Uh, if a second wave of coronavirus, COVID-19, pops up, that's which is a possibility, and, and epidemiologists say that, you know, th- there's going to when we open things back up, there's a good possibility of another another round of this of the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, hitting. So uh, if that happens odds of the UFC and in all sports they'll probably get shut down or limited again so I think the UFC's plan this is just my opinion by the way I, I don't have anything to to base this on but you know what what I what I'm thinking right now uh, I think the UFC is going to try and offer its big name big ticket fighters their fights first so they can get them um, in the, the, the contracted number of fights for the year, for this year. And then they'll look at offering um, quote-unquote lesser names fights so they can get their fights in possibly before the end of the year. So uh, again, the UFC contracts are, are worded in that fighters have to be offered a certain amount of fights in a year um, just offered uh, if the fighter is injured or turns down the fight that does not take away the fact that the fight was offered by the UFC so if it's three fights you can offer someone three fights if they turn two down they still got their three fights offered if they accept all three uh, but get injured in one and that fight doesn't take place the fight was still offered and the UFC is is off the hook for for having to pay out for not offering them a 
certain number of fights per year. So they're going to want to get the big ticket guys and gals in before the end of the year. They want to have they're going to want to have them get their three fights offered, and then, like I said, they'll they'll pursue the the lower quote unquote named fighters and try and get them in. Uh, the reason I think this is because they're going. The UFC is going to want to keep the the bigger name fighters not just happier, but if they offer them them their fights, they won't have to pay them out uh, for for not competing. So that's why I think it's in the UFC's best interest to do so. Uh, the the lesser name fighters will might not get their fights offered, and at that point. And as it gets closer to the end of the year, we might see a calling of the of the roster um, to avoid having to pay those fighters. So, say some fighter who's on a, a I don't know, a twenty twenty deal, who only has one fight offered to them in twenty in in this year, they could uh, the UFC could technically could put could release them and. Then when things get back on track, if that fighter has not signed with another promotion, the the UFC could always sign them back and and bring them back into the fold. Hopefully, if that happens, they will bring the fighter back in at the same or at least one step higher in the pay structure. Um, that would be that would be the right thing to do, but. We, we don't know if that would happen. So this is all speculation, but I think we'll be, we'll be seeing more stacked cards in the hopes that the UFC can draw eyeballs and also at the same time satisfy their the fighters' um, contracts. And then we'll go from there. So could be interesting. Uh, could be interesting to watch what... what, what transpires with all of this especially if things start falling through again so this is just under the assumption that the UFC is going to be able to get back in and staging fights on a regular basis and sometimes holding um, multiple fights per week so we'll see how that works out uh, MMA fighting followed up with the Nevada State Athletic Commission today to see what the status of Nevada is as far as the, what the state's going to do is, with fighting um, because uh, Dana White recently told Variety that the UFC Apex was going to be in business in May and start holding fights in, in, at that venue. Uh, so the story is written by Stephen Morocco. He contacted the Nevada State Athletic Commission and Executive Director Bob Bennett answered via email um, and Bennett just said we will see what the data reveals based on the science of COVID-19 and move forward accordingly and also added that we are closed until further notice and once again the data, the data from the science will determine future events accordingly. So, it's all up in the air. Um, the, the commission hasn't had a meeting since the 
since it shut things down in March. Um, the, the next meeting that was supposed to be held was, was going to, I think, discuss the COVID-19 and coronavirus issue as far as it pertains to Nevada, but that never happened, so um, we don't know. I would, I would think that if the UFC is going to be able to hold events in May, that the NSAC would have to have a meeting beforehand and figure out its testing protocol. I would hope that the testing protocol is pretty um, detailed as far as coronavirus and COVID-19 testing goes and quarantining fighters and camps and anyone involved with the fight. But again, we shall see. And so for right now, it doesn't sound like Nevada is any closer to being in the in the picture than it than it was uh, in late March and early April. So I would hate to see the promotion go to Florida, but if because I don't trust the 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 athletic commission there as much as I trust the Nevada commission, but if Nevada is shut down, Florida might become the the player. In, in this whole scenario. So we'll see what happens there. That's something to keep an eye on as well. So Submission Radio had a, a pretty good interview with Michael Bisping. Um, and one of the subjects that Bisping spoke about was his, his eye injuries. And um, so he was talking about how his eye was messed up and he was having, since 2013, he was having... Uh, difficulty with with depth perception and and fighting in general with with the eye injury that he has. Um, and here's what he had to say, and I think this is important because it's something that I don't think a lot of fighters think about. And Bisping himself said he did not think about this at the time, but something to really keep in mind. And you know, this is coming from a guy who who's doing pretty well for himself now that he's retired. Um, he's commentating, he's got a podcast, he wrote a book. So he's got he's got things happening outside of fighting and, and that's good, but um, here's what he had to say. That, that gave me the mindset that I had to create a living essentially outside the octagon because I was just all in on fighting. And I was, like, I was like, well, at any time I might get my license pulled away from fighting, so I've got to start opening doors. I started working on being an analyst, being a commentator, doing my podcast, really trying to ramp up my acting career, and just whatever business endeavors I could find myself or get involved with outside of the octagon. So it wasn't ideal, and I wish I had two fully functioning eyes, but as I say, every cloud has a silver lining. Um, so... Bisping didn't really think about post-fight career until the injury started to, to look like it was going to end his career. So that's something that I, I don't, and I think that's common. I think that's very common because fighters are fighters and they want to fight and they think they'll be able to do it for a long time. And so this is good advice to, to anyone in the fight game, really. Um, it's never too early to start planning your post-fight career. Um, 
but you know, do it in a. It, it would be better to do it in a planned way. You know, sit down and talk to your talk to managers, talk to other fighters that have retired and had successful post-fight careers. Get some advice. Uh, look to invest your your time and money into things outside of the fight game, so that you're not forced to keep fighting well past um, your expiration date, well past when you want to stop, want to stop fighting, or and and just you know, there's a lot of time for most fighters. Their careers are over late 30s, early 40s, sometimes earlier um, so you, you want to really look at these things in advance consider these things in advance especially if you're a fighter who's established a, a, a pretty good name in the business there's more opportunities for those folks than you know the middle of the pack guys and, and that's just the way it is that's just that's just life uh, so but even middle of the pack guys you need they need to uh they need to consider what's going to happen after the the fighting career is over you know if if this is all you've done is fight since you were um in your late teens early 20s you don't really have a resume and no one's going to be very few people are going to hire someone for you know an upper management position if the resume only has MMA fighting on it so really think about these things um, and even if if fighters have to get started commentating or um, doing something things with uh, lower level fight promotions you know get, get your reps in get some time in build your confidence in these areas and and really concentrate on the post fight career because that's going to be a lot longer than the fighting career so um, Bisping had some good advice there and hopefully more fighters will will follow suit here and and really start thinking about their futures before they're forced to think about their futures as far as this May 9th event is concerned I'm I think I'm coming around more to the idea that it's going to happen than it's not. Uh, I just, I don't know why, I just have this feeling that there's something different about this one than there was about the, the UFC 249 card, um, especially with Florida being, with Florida giving the WWE the okay to, uh, be an essential business I just think there's with that happening I think there's going to be pressure on other commissions to maybe give the, the uh, UFC a chance here to be the first back and see how it goes uh, there's a lot of downsides to it and maybe the bigger commissions shy away from those downsides and let some smaller commissions um, maybe test the waters and see what happens. Uh, but I do think that, you know, I was 50-50 a couple days ago. Now I'm probably 
70-30 that it's going to happen. Um, and again, I don't think it should happen, and I will be against it. But I just, I just think that there's too much at risk for for White to to put all this out there and get shot down again uh, by by Disney and ESPN. Um, I think the risk for him is if he gets if they have to uh, ask him again to stand down. I think the risk is that he's as on a very, very, very short leash or will be replaced because it's that's if he gets told by Disney and ESPN to stand down twice within a month or so, that's a, that's a terrible look that reflects poorly on the organization, that reflects poorly on Endeavor. And I, I don't think I don't think Endeavor will will take too kindly to that. Um, so my gut tells me that this is going to happen. The odds are are better that it's going to happen than it's not. Uh, so, but it's something I will will be watching, and it's something that other media folks should have to. Um, they should also keep an eye on and really look at. And if you get the opportunity, to ask Dana White about the safety plans, and do not accept the 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 catchphrases that he's been using since the coronavirus pandemic began. You know, we've we've always been about safety. We go above and beyond. That's not the answer to the question. We need to know the plans and how in-depth they are. Yesterday I spoke about the uh, epidemiologist saying how a, a, how things could be safe. That, that was going above and beyond. Um, I don't think the UFC has the... I mean, they have the money. I don't think they want to spend the money, or nor do I think they have the inclination to do everything that would be required to make it as safe as possible. I think there'll be steps. I think there'll be inadequate steps. I think they're really pushing their luck. But I want to be proven wrong on this. I really do. I want um, the UFC and Dana White to say, this is the plan. It's got quarantining. It has multiple tests. Uh, everyone involved is going to be uh, checked, uh, and not just temperature scanned. They're going to get COVID nineteen tests, and they're going to be watched before for two weeks, 